right. Yeah. Yeah. A man dies when he refuses to stand up for justice. Yeah. A man dies when he refuses to take a stand for that which is true. Yeah. I am bound to my beliefs by the texts of the Bible. My conscience is captive to the word of God. of us has only one past, but there are many futures. You see, you can't change your past, but you can determine your destiny by deciding for Christ. And when you do that, Christ changes your past. He wipes out all the sins of the past. All right, it's, uh, you know, I, I think last week we kind of started the series and we're talking about how commitment and courage, how that leads to success, how you and I as individuals were created for success, and, and how we as a church want to impact our world. You know, I, I don't know how much you pay attention to what's happening in our world, but it's a pretty crazy time to be alive. And I guess the question really comes down to, are we willing to pay the price that some of these um, men and women that we've seen in these videos um, were willing to pay in order to make some kind of difference? Um, Gabe was sharing a little bit earlier at our uh, Cooper campus. I, I'm not sure who was sharing at your campus about uh, challenging us to give. He was talking about the college. And, you know, as I told you earlier, we go into this um, this season, there are two major times when we challenge folks to give above and beyond their regular tithes and offering, and that's at Christmas time when we challenge folks to give their greatest gift, and it's at this time of the year we challenge folks to be a part of a temple centurion, right? To uh, to protect and to proclaim uh, the vision, the desire, the passion, the heart to do something bigger than ourselves or beyond ourselves. It's not natural. Most people think only of themselves, right? I mean, they want their parking spot. They want to sit in their chair. They want to come to a service that's at their time to hear music that they like and a sermon that makes them feel better. That's the natural thing. That's what our skin naturally does. And we want somebody else to pay for all that. But what God's called us to do is just the opposite in every one of those situations, is to live our life outside of ourselves for something bigger than ourselves for someone we haven't met yet that they might experience um, who God is and what God can do and from my perspective as, as, as a pastor when you're challenging people especially in the area of finance it, it, it's always uh, it's, it's always difficult because it's difficult in other words it's difficult for you to give most people don't in our world, not just in potential church, but in our world. And the reason is because we tend to spend everything we have. 
and it's difficult to say, I'm going to, if I could, I would, right? You, you like what God's doing in your life if you're a Christ follower. You want him to do it in other people's lives, but it's so easy to dismiss that you or me are the one that God actually wants to use. And I, and I can tell you as a pastor, if it were just about turning on the lights, I'm sure there are probably other things that we could do. We could have uh, some kind of festival maybe and charge you a price, or we could sell the good seats. Um, the one, these are the ones people sleep in up here, so they must be the good one, uh, the good ones. So, you know, we, we could do it, but the Bible teaches, and I've seen in my own life, and I hear it over and over again in people's lives, is that the wrestling match about giving, the wrestling match that determines whether or not, not whether you occasionally have your heart stirred and you put some money in a bucket. The Bible says don't do that. It says don't give because somebody makes you cry or you see something. The Bible says it's just supposed to be more intentional than that. And the reason, I think, is because when we do that, when we get to that point in our life, when we mature in that point spiritually in our walk with God, he does something in us. That's the part that's hard for me to, to help you understand, other than for you to hear stories, to just share with people just like you who have felt just like you feel, however that is. Some of you would love to do it, some of you occasionally, but then you get stressed or you get worried about money and you're not able to be consistent. Some of you think that it's all a scam and the only reason you're here is because your girlfriend asked you to be here. Um, but that have, that have had those kind of feelings, who have wrestled through that. Um, and one such feeling is, uh, or one such couple is Kelvin and Nicole. And they sat down and just, to, I think it's just over two minutes, but they shared a little bit of maybe what you feel and what you can identify with. So I, I want you to hear their story, if you would. We've, we've been here now for, for it's going to be four years now uh, in the summer. And, you know, I was going through a rough patch in my life. You know, I had a, a serious drug addiction and, um, you know, I was pretty lost. And, and that kind of just brought us here to Potential. You know, I said, hey, let's check out this church. I've heard about it before. We came in and, and it was kind of the only hope we had. So we just kept coming back and coming back and it just, everything got better and better and his addiction was gone. Our relationship grew stronger. We eventually got married, we had our kids and you know, just things just started falling into place for us. I think I can speak for both of us though, we definitely felt the nudge. Yeah, we wanted to be a part of uh, something bigger than us. We wanted to be able to reach more people and, and we, we really bought into the vision and it just made sense. God saved me, but it was definitely uh, instrumental how you guys played a role in, in, in coming into our lives. So if that could happen for me, just if I know that with our resources we could help one person, you know what I mean? It's, it's so worth it to us because I don't know where I would be today. You know, Temple Centurion has definitely helped us change our perspective. My attitude has changed. I wasn't necessarily the most pleasant person. Since becoming Temple Centurions, I think that we've kind of just felt this peace, this like unexplainable peace over our finances. Um, you know, we're, we don't go to bed worrying about how are we gonna pay this bill? How are we gonna have enough to pay for the kids' school or this or that or anything that, you know, we would need to pay. It's just kind of, it's always been there for us. One of the things that I held on to tightest in my life was money. I just, I needed, to, I needed to be there all the time. And, and now it's just like, I, I, I have total comfort in, in being faithful financially. God gave it to you in the first place, so why not return 
at least 10% of, of what you get. And then stepping into Temple Centurion is just a way to show that we're really investing into the kingdom. My name is Kelvin. And I'm Nicole. And we're blessed to be a blessing. All right. <clears throat> Pretty cool to hear their story. And I hope if you know if, if you have been faithful over the years, a story like that encourages you. Because, of course, that couldn't happen without you, right? This church has been here for 40 years next year. And uh, it started with just well, where the students are. But Kelvin and Nicole are here. They're going to come out for just a moment. Because I want you to see they're real people, not uh, animatronics or anything like that. Awesome, guys. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Come on out here to the, to the center. And, and I, I wanted to ask you a question because, you know, greatest gift, Temple Centurion, and then, of course, you know, our regular tithes and offering. But um, if somebody's where you have been as far as, because it is a step of faith, a step of maturity to, to give something you've worked so hard away and entrust God to do something bigger with it. Um, what would you say to someone who's wrestling with that um, desire about being consistent? Well, I would say um, for me it was kind of like a, um, I just wanted to challenge God to be honest with you. I, I wanted to, to see what, what he's got and, um, and I did it with, with an open heart and a, and, a, and a happy and giving heart. And we started to see a shift um, in our lives. Uh, you know, God just kind of started opening doors that you couldn't explain any other way that it was, you know, it was God, obviously. And um, I would definitely say that after that started happening, you know, not only in our finances, but in our time serving here, it just became more fluid. And then we just started noticing a, a shift as a whole in our family where we knew that blessings were happening around us. And before we weren't in the position to receive them. And then it just started becoming natural because of our heart and where we were to actually start to be in that position to, to receive those blessings. And then it's all history from there. I mean, to be honest with you, I, you know, it's kind of like love. You really can't explain it. I mean, what God is doing in our lives, I really can't explain other than, than that it's God. So I would definitely say to someone who's struggling with this, challenge God and see, and see what he's going to give you. I mean, it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to happen throughout time. But, you know, if you're in the waiting room, you're in the waiting room. Just know that God is there because it's written in ink. Uh, you know, yeah, that, that's, uh, you know, that's scriptural. The, the Bible says that we're to test God and see if he keeps his word. And, uh, again, this is just uh, one family who have stepped out and seen that God is faithful. It doesn't always happen exactly when or where, but he is faithful. And, uh, and I want you, I want, I want us to change the world, but I want you, if you're not experiencing what they're experiencing, I really want you to experience that in your life. And rather than, t you know, teach you God's word as we do week in and week out, and then for you just to hear it from the lives of people who sit in those chairs like you do uh, every week. Sometimes uh, Calvin's up in the, he does technical kind of stuff um, uh, from time to time, but um, does and has been where you are. So thanks again, one, uh, guys, for your, uh, sharing your story. Appreciate it very much. Awesome. Awesome. 
All right, so here's what I want to do is you, you know, again, you just kind of wrestle with those things and think through those things. And again, if you weren't here last year, we talked about three things that we wanted to do with Temple Centurion. College, you heard from Gabe, uh, loved hearing his story and hearing his heart. Um, Of course, there's more work to do over there with the student facility, that building. I don't know how old, but it was here when I got here, and I've been here for 17 years, so it needs, of course, some remodeling, but we did get the school up and going. We have 15 full-time students our first year, partnering with Southeast University. We're very proud of that. Uh, They said it's one of the largest uh, starts that they've had, so uh, excited about that. The other thing we talked about is is, uh, new media. And whether that be TV or whether that be YouTube or whether that be Netflix, we're working on all those things. I hope that you've been able to see some of those things uh, as we're learning. And uh, again, just trying to garner influence, get the message out there in different ways. And then to launch another campus so that we have more space. I shared with you last week that we were looking at Sunrise and um, we were supposed to go this last week to look at the property one, uh, one more time. And we were dealing, you know, I guess, um, we were dealing with the, the children, adult children, and uh, they had kind of worked out the whole deal. But when their father found out about the deal, he wasn't near as happy. Um, so they've kind of backed up on that. So I would appreciate your prayers that God will either open that up or that he'll supply another place for us to, to launch um, that campus. And then, you know, last year our goal was a million and a half dollars, and the, fir- the offering, the big offering that we always run for was about $500,000. We brought in for the whole season right at uh, $750,000, so we're about halfway there. And really our goal this year is the same because we want to complete those things that we started. And then each campus has challenges. We'd love to put in a baptistry over there by the, uh, the lake, I don't know what way I'm pointing, over by that building. And if you're watching at one of our campuses, you have no idea where I'm pointing, but there's a lake on the property. We'd love to put a baptistry over there. So some really exciting things like that. I hope you'll be part of that. That first offering is, is important when it comes to the finances of potential church and being able, as you know, it was two-thirds of everything given for the whole year. Um, but also uh, it's important for you. And for me, as we wrestle with what God wants us to do. So over the coming weeks, we'll give you, uh, as we prepare more um, details about what we want to accomplish uh, with the student facility over there and with the launching of of a new campus. But I hope that you'll just pray and see what God would have you to do and not just dismiss it which of course is always the easiest thing to do. One last thing and, and we'll move on to the teaching, but we've always, you know, you've maybe have heard it said where we don't all give the same amount, but hopefully we're all challenged in the same way. That's why as Temple Centurions, we've had different levels because you guys, uh, we're all at different places financially. And, and to be a Temple Centurion is to give $500 over that season, you know, from May to about May, and which is, you know, a Starbucks cup of coffee each week so um, we'll just about get you there this year what we're going to do is if uh, 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 on that big offering weekend we wanted to make sure everybody could participate because there's so much excitement in that when we're all apart and when you hear a story like you saw and heard on the stage just a few moments ago you can really feel like man I'm I'm a part of that their life wouldn't have been changed 
without my willingness to be obedient in the different areas of my life. And um, uh, so we're going to have on that weekend, <clears throat> anybody who gives a, uh, above and beyond their regular tithes and offering, $99, all right? Uh, we're going to send you a little coffee mug that you can have your quiet time with the Lord with uh, each time. So we're just trying to do some exciting things that I hope you will participate in. Let me ask you this question, because I think when it comes to success, and that's really what we're talking about, being the church, being the Christ follower that God's called us to be, how many of you have ever been hurt in your life? All right, you, you, right, all of us, right? By different people, uh, it might have been a spouse. I, I get uh, contacted by folks all the time who don't understand why, you know, he, a lot of times from guys who will say, you know, she was there and now she's not. I never saw it coming. I don't know why it's happened. And they feel hurt. Sometimes people feel betrayed because their spouse had an affair. Sometimes it can be a girlfriend or a boyfriend or maybe even a friend or a coworker, maybe a supervisor who promised you something but then stabbed you in the back. Um, sometimes people get hurt at church because um, church is made up of people, uh, imperfect people. And, and as a result, people get hurt. And I guess the question is, is when you get hurt, because you have been and I have been, we will either then be tattooed with forgiveness or unforgiveness. The question is not are you going to get hurt. The question is what you're going to do when you get hurt. And it is a tattoo, right? I mean, you are marked. If you have a forgiving spirit, it's like it's on your forehead. People can see it. They can see it in your eyes. They can see it in the, the you know, your face. And if you're unforgiving, right, they can see that as well. They can see it in your anger. They can see it in your bitterness, your mistrust of people. It makes the relationships you have very, very difficult. So we really do get tattooed either with forgiveness or unforgiveness. And I was thinking about that this week, and I, I, I had them, um, this is 50-plus sunscreen. Has anybody at any of our campuses ever forgot your sunscreen? You ever done that? And if you forget your sunscreen, what happens? You get sunburn, right? And when you get sunburn, especially if you're on vacation, you ever been on vacation, got sunburn early in the vacation, and then you have to stay inside, right? Because if you're sunburned and you go up back out into the sun, it doesn't matter how much of this white stuff you put on, it still hurts, doesn't it? Right? And you can put on a shirt, you can put on a coat, but it's like the sun just burns through that coat and gets your shoulders or your arms. So think about it. We forget the, the sunscreen, we get sunburn, and that causes us to stay outside of the sun, stay away from the sun. But when we stay away from the sun, we miss all the fun things that happen in the sun. In other words, you miss your whole vacation. You miss hanging out at the beach. You miss riding the, the jet ski. You miss riding the horse or going on the, the trail or whatever it is you do for fun. When you get sunburned, as a result of being sunburned, you stay away from the sun, which causes you pain, but it also causes you to miss all the crazy, fun things that happen in the sun. Well, the same thing is true with hurt. Is that when you and I get hurt, we tend to do the same thing we do with a sunburn. Is that we want to stay away from it. You know, we, we, we don't want to be vulnerable. Why? Because I'm just going to get hurt again. I'm not going to open myself up like that again and just let them hurt me. We tend not to take risk. Why? Well, I don't want to be hurt again. I, I don't want to be left alone. I mean, I thought everybody's going with me, and I stepped out there, and they solved the branch off behind me. And, and that desire to stay away from that which caused the pain, or caused the hurt, maybe it's love. I'll never be in love again. 
I've given up men. I've given up women. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't need them. And, and, and again, and so when you avoid those things that cause pain, you, you also miss out on all the things that God wants to do in your life because you cannot succeed alone. One is too small a number for greatness. God is community, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he has created you and me in his image. So we have to do life with other people. And not just do it with other people, do life with other people, but we need to do it successfully with other people. Relationships should add value. And once you get hurt, if I don't deal with my hurt the correct way, Man, I'm telling you, I, I, I stay inside, away from the sun, and I miss all that's out there in the sun. I miss all the opportunity that God puts in front of me. So if you want to pull out that outline that you got when you came in, I want to talk about what is written in red, and you can write out beside it, red ink. Because I want to look at how Jesus dealt with hurt. And I'm not talking just about physical pain. We know that he went to the cross. But I want to talk about emotional pain. The Bible says a lot about it, but I want to see what he said, and I want to see what he did, because I think there's some things that we can learn. And like I said, it's kind of like um, a, a sunburn, but it's also, when you think about hurt, and uh, use some of these images so that they kind of uh, help us see. Got some of these really cool matches here. And... Um, <clears throat> It's kind of like a hurt, it's kind of like a fire. Because when you and I get hurt and it catches whatever on fire, right? It tends to destroy it. That's so cool. Come on. That's cool, right? Right? But that's what hurt does. It's like it, it just consumes a marriage. Right? If you get hurt and you don't forgive and you go into another relationship, you're going to judge your present relationship based upon your pain of the last relationship. And it's going to consume you. And you whether you're jealous and you're always watching to see what that, you know, uh, your spouse is doing or how they're responding. It's, it's amazing how unforgiveness has a way to burn up our relationships or even our hope. I mean, once you've been hurt, it's very easy to give up on uh, to, or to hope, to trust people. Because there is no hope if you can't trust somebody. If you can't trust the people of God, that doesn't mean that people are perfect, but if you can't trust them, if you can't open up your life to the people that you're sitting around or the people that you work with, then you, you lose hope. You live in this small little world. Unforgiveness is all-consuming. People miss business opportunities. You know why? Because they're unwilling to forgive. And it's like, once I've been burning business, am I going to trust you again? What if you're just like the last business partner I had? What if you do with my money what the, just like the last person did with my money? And we think we're being safe, but in reality, it is consuming our future potential and our ability to become exactly who God has created us to be. So here's my question this weekend. How do you put the fire out? Right? How do we put this all-consuming fire that um, burns up our relationships and burns up our opportunity and burns up our success. I mean, how do we put it out? Now, when I was in school, we used to, they used to show us these little films. And it said, if you ever got caught on fire, that you were supposed to stop, you're supposed to drop, and then what? Roll. 
So I want us to use that same mindset, but I want us to talk about forgiveness. That if we're going to be able to forgive, which is not easy for anybody. I talked about giving. That's not easy. This is a difficult weekend because I didn't just mention giving. Now we're going to talk about forgiveness. That's not easy either if you've really been hurt. And they didn't have any right to do it. They shouldn't have done it. The first thing that we have to do, and you can jot this down, is we have to stop feeding our hurt. We have to stop feeding our hurt. And again, I just want you to see this because as, as you think about it, as I mentioned a moment ago, hurt is like a consuming fire. And so our emotions, our, our heart, our hope, our peace, all of that catches on fire. And it's kind of like this candle. I, I get, you know, I guess I went, I went to, candles are hard to light. Stop breathing. It's still not lit. There we go. All right. So you light a candle, and the candle will burn as long as what? What's it have to have to burn? It has to have oxygen, right? But it, so if I take this glass and I put it over the top of it, it may take it a while, but eventually, put my little Temple Centurion brick from a few years ago on top of it. Hmm, subliminal. All right. I put that on top of it, and you can see up on the, the screen there, eventually that flame's going to go out. Why? There's no oxygen. And if you don't feed it, does it matter how badly you want it to stay lit? doesn't matter, does it? It is eventually going to go out because there's not going to be any oxygen for it to live. The same is true with our hurt. What you feed gets stronger, and what you starve gets weaker. It's not just the human body, and it's not just this flame over here. All right, I can see it bubbling. It's starting to die, right? It's suffocating for oxygen. And when you starve it, it, go, it goes out. Well, hurt is the same way. So, uh, and that's, it's a difficult day in which to starve our our hurt and the reason oh, i didn't bring mine out uh, well i have my ipad here you probably have a phone right that phone makes it very difficult for you and me to starve our hurt you know why because you can get all your social media on there can't you right and what what's on social media the people that hurt you right you can follow and you don't have, you you can follow them on multiple forms, right? Or you, you can follow them on, you know, Facebook. You can follow them on Twitter. I, I read a study, the New Yorker put out an article that said, the more time you spend on Facebook, they, they kind of evaluated people, and they said the more time they spend on Facebook, the sadder or the more unhappy they were, right? And now, again, so if, maybe you could just be happier if you just quit going to Facebook, okay? But it's very difficult to deal with pain because the people who caused you pain more than likely are on some kind of social media. And they are talking about how great their life is. And you're thinking, my life's not that great, right? Of course, we know they're lying because all of social media is your best life now, right? You make it look good even if you're miserable at the time. But you and I see the joy that they're having. We believe that it's at our expense, and we feed our hurt. And I put two ways in which we do this. How do you, feel, uh, how do you feed your pain? First of all, you do it by what you think about. Whatever you think about is what's going to get stronger. 
So when you think about, well, do you ever do things like this? Like after it happens, you think about what you should have said, right? It's like, and right, and then you get mad that you didn't say it because it had been so good. It would have hurt them so bad, right? And you just kind of play that over and over what you should have said, what you should have done. You go to bed at night thinking about it, trying to decide whether you're still going to do it. Is it too late? Can you call and leave a message? Can you get a fake, you know, social media account? All those things. And when we do that, the flame gets oxygen. And it grows in our lives. So that's why the scripture talks about, it says, think on these things. And it it talks about uh, whatsoever is pure and whatsoever is good and whatsoever is hope. and And it talks about the fruit of the spirit. Why? Because those things starve our our hurt. They, they, it stars our, our pain. And when you feed your pain and you start to respond, see, because once you start thinking, what you think on is what's going to lead your actions. And when you start acting, see, I, I think when we start to starve the hurt in our lives and we come to this place where, have you ever heard somebody say, don't let them see you sweat? Right? So if you've hurt me, Rather than announcing to the world you've hurt me by how I respond to your hurt because I've been thinking about it and I've been thinking about what I'm going to write and I write this long post, you know, on your Facebook page or somebody else's Facebook page. When I continue to go on with my life, it's not an arrogance. You didn't hurt me. It is a confidence in that you can't stop me. In other words, God has called, he's put his hand on my life. There is a dream, there is a purpose, there is a destiny. And yes, what you did, it hurt my heart. But what you do does not have the ability to rob me of my peace, my joy, my destiny, or my purpose. Right? And the only way in which to do that is we got to starve what we're thinking. You You and I have to take control. The Bible talks about how we need to control what we think about. That we need, uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 talks about us being transformed by the renewing of our minds. What you think on is so powerful. And if you think and if you spend your time thinking about how somebody has done you wrong, I promise you, you will live a life of unforgiveness. And it will impact your relationships. It will impact your success. It will impact your destiny. It will, it will seep into all of those different areas of our lives. But we not only feed it by what we think about, we also feed it by what we talk about. You, you, you ever been close to somebody who got hurt? And they call you at midnight to talk about their hurt? And then you, you, know, you feel for them, you want to minister to them, you're like, let's go, you know, let's go grab something to eat. And the whole time they talk about their hurt, Right? And, 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 and again, I'm not saying that you hold all that in, but what I'm saying is, is there is a tendency, if you're not careful, to not just think about all the things that have been done wrong and all the ways in which you've been hurt, but then begin to express those things and to talk about those things. And we, we look for people who agree with us when we start talking. Right, you're not going to talk to somebody who challenges you to transform the, uh, or to renew your mind. You're not going to spend a lot of time talking about how somebody hurt you if they start challenging you that you need to forgive. Not because they have earned it or because they deserve it, but because this is destroying you. And we all know people who have pushed people away simply why? They've never gotten over their hurt. 
They're still talking about their divorce a decade later. They're still talking about their boss that fired them without cause, you know, and and they're still living in that moment. Why? Because that is what they have confessed with their mouth. And the Bible says that our words have these incredible power. So if I want to forgive, right, instead of worrying, I just can't forgive Troy, you know, it's just too difficult. Does that mean I, I, I have to forget it? Stop worrying about all those things. Start right here. Just start right here and say, I'm going to stop. And I'm going to stop feeding my hurt. And I'm, going to, and I'm going to, again, do this in progression. Forgiveness is a process. And it, it begins with just a decision. I'm stopping. It's just like when, if, you, if I were to take that match and catch myself on fire accidentally, what is my natural reaction? It is not to stop. It is to run. That's what I naturally do. And the only way I'm not going to run is to, in my mind, intentionally say, stop. Stop. And so I encourage you, when you get hurt, and we will get hurt, is that we stop feeding uh, our hurt. Now let's look at this passage of scripture. Because again, I told you I wanted to look at what was written in red ink. And look at what Jesus says. This is Jesus on the cross. This is Jesus after the nails, the crown of thorns. This is after he's been beat with a cat of nine tails. This is after he has been uh, denied by his disciples. Look what, it sa- look what he says in verse 34. Father, what's the next word? Forgive them. Father, forgive them. Who is them? Well, let's keep reading. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Meanwhile... They were drawing lots to see who would win Jesus' clothing. So Jesus is hanging on the cross. You've got these Roman soldiers that are playing a game, throwing dice to see who's going to get his clothes. And he looks down at them. who are they're, they're definitely causing him hurt and pain, not just physically, but emotionally. They would do that right in front of him. And he says, Father, forgive them. But not just them. Look what else is going on. It says in verse 35, the crowd of people stood watching, mocking Jesus. Here's what they were saying. So he was supposed to rescue others, was he? He was supposed to be God's anointed, the liberating king. Well, let's see him start by liberating himself. These people aren't asking for forgiveness. These people aren't saying that they're sorry. These people aren't admitting that they've done something wrong. And yet, God does what? He forgives them. He starves the desire. And he was all God, all man, right? His divinity and his humanity, and you know in his humanity, he wanted to get them. Right? That's what the skin wants, to get even, to to cause, uh, you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. An eye for an eye. And yet Jesus does just the opposite. He says, "Um, Father, forgive them. He, he, He moves towards forgiveness. You know, in um, Luke chapter 17, there's this um, story, and Jesus is telling it, okay? So it's, it's written in red ink. And Jesus says, you know, if you get hurt, somebody hurts you, and they come and they ask for forgiveness, he says, you forgive them. He says, if they come seven times a day, this is in Luke 17, he says, if they come seven times a day, you know what you're supposed to do? Every time they ask, you're supposed to forgive them. And you know what the people hearing that said? We need some more faith. Right? I mean, think about it. This is a real conversation. How would you respond if I stood here and, and you had never heard that, 
by the Messiah, by Jesus before. And I said, you know what? Even if someone offends you seven times today, and if they ask for forgiveness, then don't pretend to forgive them. You must really forgive them. Well, they said, well, we need more faith. And Jesus said, no, the faith of a mustard seed can move mountains. What was Jesus saying? The problem's not faith. Forgiveness is not about faith. It is a decision. It's an intentionality that I'm going to stop uh, feeding and then stop feeding my hurt or my pain and then drop, and this is just as hard, your plans for revenge, right? Some of us spend all day kind of walking around lighting matches, looking for ways in which to burn the enemy. I mean, we are consumed with it. Right? How can I get even, whether it be on social media or whether it be in business? How can I, how can I get even? So we not only got to stop feeding our hurt, we have to drop our plans for revenge. And I'm not, because again, this is what the skin naturally does. It doesn't naturally stop and drop. I mean, have you ever burnt yourself? If you've ever burned yourself, did you stop and drop? Was that what naturally what you did? No, you pull and run, don't you? I remember when Carson, our middle son, um, we were on vacation years ago. He was five or six years old. We were in a hotel. Steph, I wasn't in the room. Uh, I was outside doing something, and Steph was in the bathroom, and the fire alarm went off in the hotel. And so you had Carson and Tyler, who's our oldest, and Bailey, who's our youngest. Well, you know, they're telling Stephanie, knocking on the door, and she's like, just a minute, you know, you really never believe the fire alarm, because it seems like they always go off. But Carson, at five or six, believed it. And, I mean, he took off running. He ran down like seven flights of stairs all by himself at five or six years old because there was a fire in that hotel, and he was going to make sure that he didn't get burned. Now, he didn't care if the rest of us got burned up, but he was going to be safe. Isn't there a natural reaction? It's not to stop and drop and say, I'm not, I'm not going to do what my skin naturally desires or wants to do. Look at what the scripture says. Again, these words written in red ink in Mark chapter 11. It says, then Jesus said to the disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may it be lifted up and thrown into the sea. And it will happen. But you must really believe it. You must really believe that it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be what? Yours. Verse 25. But when you are praying, first, circle that, first, first do what? Forgive. Who? Ooh. Who does that include? Your ex-spouse. Who does that include? Your mean boss. Who does that include? The best friend who stabbed you in the back. Right? That, this, includes, this, is, this includes everybody. He says, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against. Let me ask you, have you ever done that? I mean, have you ever dropped the desire to... And here's what revenge is. I don't mean you're going to go out and, you know, put a hole in their tire. I mean, you just have a desire to see them be hurt as well. You don't care how it happens, right? He left you, and so you hope the next person he gets with will leave him. Your boss fired you, you're hoping their boss will fire them. In other words, it's, it, when we think about revenge, sometimes we think dastardly, you know, deeds. No, 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 no. 
Revenge is just simply your desire to see them be hurt. That's what you have to drop. That's a lot harder, right? Most of you are not going to go out and get some kind of weapon and stand in the bushes over the person that's hurt you. Maybe some of you, all right, can see your eyes. <laughs> Most of you aren't, right? But man, when it comes to not wanting them to be hurt like you are, he says that's the first thing you're supposed to do. Why? So that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins as well. See, I wonder how many of us are struggling in our faith. Our faith to maybe do what God's called us to do, to start a business, to enter into a relationship. We talk about giving. Maybe the whole reason some of us really struggle to have the faith to give is not because you don't want to, but there's a weakness in your faith simply because you've still got a grudge against somebody. You've still been done wrong in some way, and you haven't let it go see forgiveness this is what i wrote in my notes forgiveness is an act of faith what do you mean it's an act of faith he's talking about prayer and he in the midst of this uh, idea of prayer and the role that faith plays in our prayer the belief that god can do what we're asking him to do see forgiveness is an act of faith why because when you forgive you're trusting god to bring justice upon that person and that's what it's difficult for many of us to do that's the faith, is that I'm going to trust God to bring justice on this person's life. And this is what else I wrote down, and here's the key, whether you see it or not, right? You say, well, Troy, I'm trusting God, but I'm watching social media for it to happen. That's why you're so depressed, right? Because you're never going to see it happen on social media. But can you, do you see the act of faith that it takes? It's to say, I'm going to drop my desire. I'm making a decision that I'm going to trust God to bring justice to this person's life. I'm not going to do it. Some of you have ex-spouses that you have children with. And you have numerous opportunities to bring pain into their life because they have brought and continue to bring pain into your life. And the only way you won't do that is if you drop that desire. You have faith to trust that God will bring justice on your behalf what David prays for in the Psalms our skin though not if we can't bring the justice we at least want to see it happen and you can follow them on so many different platforms I, I, I put this in your notes I think the reason we struggle to choose to forgive is because I think we have what I call forgiveness fear and this is what I think forgiveness fear is. It's if I forgive, then no one will know what they did or how they hurt me. Right? If somebody's done you wrong and you forgive them, you're no longer talking badly about them. You're no longer wishing bad things to happen to them so that the friends that you have don't even know that that person has hurt you. That's hard to hold on to. It's like, no, I, I want my friends to know what they did to me. I want the people close to me to know how bad a person they are. And might I ask why? Might it be that that is actually revenge incognito? That our desire is that those that we are close to will bring revenge. That they will treat the person that we have not forgiven in the same way we would given the chance. 
is that they might have a better ability to hurt them by not being their friend or by telling other people what it is they had done to you. That's revenge. Might be hidden or disguised, but it's still revenge. See, there's this fear that if I forgive, then, then they're going to get away with it. No. God is a God of justice. For the wages of sin is death. Listen, it's an act of faith. God will do what needs, um, what needs to be done. I, I put this in your notes. Forgiveness does not mean that you agree with what they did. Or that on further review, it wasn't that bad. Forgiveness is not about them, it's about you. And what is it about you and me? It's about whether or not we will give the same mercy and grace that God has given to us. Right? Mercy is when we don't give somebody something they deserve. In other words, they did something to you. And in the world of justice, they deserve to have it done to them. They made your tire flat, and in the world of justice, you have every right to make their tire flat. But God gave us what? Mercy. He doesn't give us what we deserve. What do we deserve? The wages of sin is death. And we have all fallen short of that glorious standard of perfection. But God doesn't come and say, I'm going to give you what you deserve. No, God holds back on what we deserve. And what is that? That is mercy. And grace is when we give someone something they do not deserve. They do not deserve your forgiveness. They do not deserve your kindness. They do not deserve for you not to talk badly about them to somebody that you know. And yet that's what you do. Why? That's grace. And that's exactly what God has done in my life and in your life. He has given me mercy and he has given me grace. And that's what he calls for us to give to those who have hurt us. And the better I understand my sin, and the better I'm able to wrap my arms around what God has done for me, the easier it is for me to do it for someone else. See, it's easy to get self-righteous. And you're comparing yourself to them rather than comparing yourself to what God compares us to, which is what? The law. The 613 commandments found in the Torah that all of us have broken in different ways, in different days. And yet God gives us grace and mercy when we ask for it. So we have to stop feeding our pain so that it will die. Got to quit popping the matches and, and being consumed with revenge. We have to drop that plan for revenge. And then the last thing that I put in my notes is roll towards healing. Just to roll towards healing. You don't stay in the sun or run around if you're on, on fire, right? You, you, you got to put the fire out. That's why I had them put some of this aloe up here. If you get sunburned, this stuff is awesome. It's cool, right? Or you can get it from a plant. You ever got aloe from an aloe vera plant, you know, and you rub it on you or whatever. But the thing is, is even as cool as this is, when somebody touches your sunburn, it still stings a little bit. It eventually brings healing, but there's, a, there's a, uh, a, a stinging sensation you have to deal with in order to get the medicine that's actually in the end going to make you better. If they spray solar cane or something like that, I don't even know if they make that anymore. When I was little, they did. It, it even hurt worse because it even had uh, some kind of burn on it. Well, the same thing is true when it comes 
to healing. See, God doesn't just want us to stop and drop. He actually wants us to roll towards healing. He wants us to experience healing. As I told you earlier, in Luke chapter 17, you have um, Jesus teaching on this. It's written in red ink, and Jesus talks about if somebody... Uh, hurt you seven times and they ask now this is about somebody who asks. he says you're supposed to forgive but I want you to see the context look with me in Luke chapter 17 verse 3 it says because now we're talking about a believer another Christ follower because we can hurt one another right this wouldn't be here if we didn't have the capacity to hurt one another because even as a Christ follower we're not perfect but it says if another believer sins misses the mark of perfection the bullseye what's the next word it says rebuke that person then if there is repentance forgive even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks for forgiveness what's it say you must it even adds um, a describer you must forgive you must forgive but I want you to notice he says if someone hurts you, a believer hurts you, what are you supposed to do? It says rebuke that person. In other words, you are to go to that person. You are to tell that person. You are to challenge that person. You are to confront that person. Now, this is important if we're going to find healing. Healing means we have to deal with what we do to one another. You and I are imperfect. Your family's imperfect. If you're married, your spouse is imperfect. Amen? Come on, let me, amen, right? <clears throat> if you've got teenagers, are they imperfect? Woo, all right? They grow out of it. That's the good news, okay? But we are imperfect, and because we are imperfect, even as Christ followers, we are going to miss that bullseye. And when we do, we can respond one of two ways. Not deal with it and never find healing. Spend the rest of our lives walking around on fire, in pain, hurting other people around us because we've never dealt with it. Husbands and wives do this all the time, thinking the kids don't see it, when in reality, they know what's going on. In churches, we do it all the time, thinking that those who don't know God don't see it, yet they see it within the church. What does he call us to do? He says, I want you to go and rebuke. I want you to go and share, be honest about what has happened. This is what happened. This is how it makes me feel. Now, Jesus not only teaches this truth, he is going to also illustrate this truth in the life of Peter. Remember Peter? Peter is the, the disciple, the apostle with the big mouth. He's always talking. And um, one day Jesus, you know, he's talking to Jesus. And Jesus tells him, he says, hey, you know, you're going to deny me. And how did Peter respond to Jesus telling him that? Uh-uh. No way. They might. I won't. If I have to die, I'll die. Then what did Peter go out and do? Denied him. How many times did he deny him? He denied him three times. And then it says, because uh, Jesus, Jesus told him, he said he's going to do it for the rooster crows. And the scripture says he, he does it that third time, and then the rooster crows. And you can imagine, again, how, um, how this had to hurt, uh, had to hurt Christ. I, I, I just wrote down a few of the things thinking about um, uh, what Jesus would have been hurt by. First, he would have been hurt by that they couldn't stay awake. Remember, he was praying about the cross. He says he was troubled. The word there means stirred. 
If you've ever been anxious where you kind of get sick to your stomach, that's what the word means. And Jesus goes to his closest buds and he says, guys, will you pray? And he goes away and he comes back and they're what? They're asleep at the most, you know, this turmoil that's going on in Christ. They're sleeping. Don't you think that had to hurt his humanity? That they, and he even says, you couldn't stay awake. And they don't do it once. They do it again and again. They do it three different times. And then when they do come to get Jesus... They run and hide. And then when the crucifixion is over, they're not waiting at the tomb for him to resurrect. Where are they? The scripture says they're behind locked doors. And then in John chapter 21, where are they? They're back at their old job. They've given up on the whole deal. And Jesus shows up and Jesus says, listen, they're... You have hurt me, but the, and this is the lesson, but the fact that you have hurt me is not going to keep you from your destiny. Why? Because we're going to deal with this. You can be hurt by your spouse and still have an incredible marriage if you're willing to deal with it. You can hurt your parents and still have a good relationship if you're willing to deal with it. We can hurt one another, but we can still bring glory to God if we're willing to deal with it. And Jesus says, I'm going to deal with this. And he shows up on the shore, and he fixes some breakfast, and he has a discussion with Peter. And John 21, uh, and let's just read one of those verses, verse 15. It says, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, don't you think that that immediately confronted Peter? I think he was talking about the other six guys that were with him, the other apostles. I think he looked at Peter and he says, now, Peter, do you love me more than these? Because remember, that's exactly what was Peter's first sin. Not the denial, but the, the arrogance, the unwillingness to admit that when Jesus told him, what was going to happen for him to humble himself and submit himself to God in that moment. But instead he said, they might do it, but I won't. And so Jesus confronts him right there. He says, so you love me more than those guys? Remember what he said? And I think Peter was confronted. And then they have this discussion where Peter replied, Lord, you know I love you. Then Jesus says, feed my lambs. And and. They go back and forth three different times using two different words uh, for the word love. And, but I just want you to, three times, you don't think that's by accident, right? It's like, we're going to deal with this. It takes Peter a little bit to get, you know, to, to get it because he, again, looks over to John when Jesus tells him how, he's, you know, how his life's going to end. And he says, well, what about him? And Peter's, Jesus says, well, it doesn't matter, right? I'm God. Remember who I am. And they work through this. And of course, Peter has this tremendous influence in the early church. Why do you think that is? It's because they dealt with it. They rolled towards healing. So written in red ink, God teaches us not only by what he says, but also by what he does, is that we need to roll towards healing. So my question to us is that if you truly want to succeed, if you and I truly want to make a difference in this world, if we're tired of the, the, the hurt and the pain, if we're tired of, of all the things that you go home tonight and turn on your news and see, are we willing to do the hard stuff? Are we willing to forgive one another? Because we are going to hurt one another. It's going to happen in your family, at your job, and it's going to happen in this church. Because we're not robots here. We are real people. 
And you know what? I can tell you now, and after almost 30 years of ministry, very few people ever deal with their hurt. They blame. They don't stop, drop, and roll. They keep walking, hanging on, and running. I'm doing just the opposite. So who do you need to roll towards? Is it a family member? I mean, there's real pain there, and you've never really had an honest conversation. You may have yelled, but you didn't listen. Have you ever had a real conversation? Not so that you can be right, not so that they can hurt like you've been hurt, but so that uh, restoration can take place and God can be glorified and the world can be changed and you can experience the peace and the joy and the love and the success that God has created you for. You know if there's a family member, a brother, a sister, a mom, a dad, a son, a daughter. Maybe it's a coworker. Weren't even that close to, but they hurt you. And you've talked about them, but you've never went to them. Maybe it's someone at church. You've even been thinking, you know what? I need to go find another church. You listen to me. You can find, there are lots of churches in this world, but every church you go to is going to have homo sapiens in it, and you're going to have to deal with pain no matter where you go. And you can spend your whole life running away from pain, or you can spend your life running towards your destiny. But you will do one of those two. And I just encourage you to deal with it. It's written in red ink that God wants to do greater things in and through you and me. But we have to stop feeding our hurt. We have to drop our plans for revenge. We have to roll towards healing. It is your choice. You will either be tattooed by forgiveness or unforgiveness. Which will it be? Will you bow your head? I hope that you've been encouraged. That forgiveness is not this weight that you have to carry around wondering, did I forgive? Did I not forgive? Have I really forgiven? No, no, just stop. Drop and roll. Stop thinking and talking about your pain. Drop that desire to see them hurt. And roll. Have whatever conversation you need to have to roll towards healing. And if they won't have it, so try I'm trying, but they just won't, then you just leave that with God. And He will bring healing. But those things, none of those things happen naturally, only intentionally. God, I pray. I pray that the weight we carry around of hurt and pain, the weight that keeps us from focusing on all the good that you do in our lives, I pray that this, your words written in red ink, could forever change us so that we're open to your joy, to your peace, and that we might transform the world. us have the faith to trust you with those who have hurt us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right.